Gavel to Gavel, the Oscar Pistorius trial on Oscar Extra. May it please the court, Mr. I call the first witness, Kim Martin. Before I get the witness to go to the stand, my lady, I would need, I would ask the court to make an order that the witness not be televised and that there be no images of this witness published. What's the name of the witness again? Kim Martin. Kim Martin, Mr. Martin. This is the order, or oh, that's Miss. Mrs. Mrs. or Mrs. 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 Thank you. No images of this witness may be published in any form. As a good pleases. The witness may be Sonia. Ma'am, please state your full names for the record. Kim Michelle Martin. Do you have any objection in taking a prescribed oath? I don't. Do you consider a prescribed oath to be binding on your conscience? I do. Do you swear that the evidence you're about to give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. If so, raise your right hand and say, so help me God. So help me God. What must this one in, my lady? Please speak directly into the microphone if you want to see where it's here behind you. Thank you. What must this one in, my lady? Thank you very much. Adam, I know you're nervous. If you want to sit down with leave of the court, you're allowed to sit down, you're allowed to stand as, as you feel comfortable. Thank you. Did you know the deceased in this matter? Yes, I did. The deceased Reva Rebecca Stankamp was my f- cousin. Um, I'm the eldest cousin. Um, I'm 12 years older than her. She was my first cousin. Explain the family relation. Um, but, yeah, fathers and or mothers. Okay, uh, we're a small, very small family. Um, our fathers are brothers, two brothers. Um, and my there's two children, my sister and myself of my father. And um, my uncle has... Reva and a son from her first marriage and Auntie June has a daughter from her first marriage. Good. So let's deal with the uh, deceased family. So it was a son from Barry's first marriage. The son's name is? That's correct. It's Adam Stiankam. That's Uncle Barry's son from his first marriage and he lives in the UK. And from June Stiankamp's first marriage? Um, June Stiankamp has a daughter, Simon Coburn, um, that was living in the UK at the time of Reva's death, but is now moved back to South Africa to live with her parents in PE. Now, please explain to the court when Reva was born. Where were you staying? Where were they staying? Um, both our families, uh, my dad and his brother, were both staying, all staying in Cape Town. We all lived in a, tub, a suburb of uh, Cape Town called Tableview, um, in very close proximity of each other. Uncle Barry had a um, horse riding stables situated about a kilometre down the road, and we lived in the suburban area. Did you spend time together with, with the Barry and, and June? Um, we spent all our time together. Um, Uncle Barry had the horses, as I said, and my sister and I both rode. And we were at the farm, we called the farm, but the small holding, every single day after school. Sometimes before school, we'd go and ride the horses onto June would fetch us. Um, every single weekend, from the minute we were finished school, straight down to the farm. Sundays, right through to Sunday. Um, we were a very, very close family. Strange way of putting it, but you met Reva when she was just born, small baby. Uh, Reva was the first baby I'd ever held. Um, I remember I was 12 years old at the time and um, the first time I was ever asked by anybody if I'd like to hold and I remember I was so nervous and I was scared that I would drop her and Auntie June gave her to me and I held her in my arms and I remember she didn't even cry and I still said, Auntie June said, you see Kimmy, you're a natural, she loves you. 
There was a very strong bond from a very young age. And growing up, what kind of child was the deceased? Reba was a very fun-loving child. Um, she grew up with a lot of old children around her, but she was always like the little Pied Piper. You know, he would follow her around. She had a very um, nurturing personality from a very young age, and she'd want to look after everybody, even the adults. Um, there was always a lot of people around because being a horse riding stables, people would come over the weekends to ride their horses and during the week. Um, so there was a lot of interaction with other people, a lot of socialising. And Reva, from a young age, stood out. There was just something about her. Um, she was like a little missy, you know. There's an incident about a poodle that, that you told me about. Um, Auntie June and Uncle Barry both love animals. And they had a poodle called Jade that Auntie June had had for many, many years. And the last six months of its life, um, it became paralyzed. And Ruva took it upon herself to carry the poodle around to become its legs. So if you'll, you'll see photos of her. Um, carrying Jade wherever she went because she became Jade's legs. Because the alternative was to put it down and Reeves performed and said she's not going to put the dog down. Now, what was the financial situation of Reeves' parents at the time? Their financial situation was always strained. They have always battled financially. They've, in the beginning, they made do, but um, it's a very, very difficult industry to be in. Um, <coughs> You're looking after people's animals, and in this industry, people tend not to pay you. And Uncle Barry would never turn anybody away, turn the horse away, and it, it became a family joke. You know, Uncle Barry would feed horses, so how can he turn people away, turn, you know, turn horses away? Um, so they, they battled. Financially, they, they really battled. For as long as I can remember, they've always battled. But he worked hard. Yeah, he was always a very hard worker. Always get up 4 o'clock every morning before the sun, get down to the stables. There's a lot of physical hard work, feeding lots of horses. You, you need to... Very physical. You, uh, when he was training, eventually, then to get up and train before the sun comes out. Um, Organising a lot of physical work on the farm until long hours, 6, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. He's a very, very physically hard-working man. The family then moved to Port Elizabeth, am I right? That's correct. What was the circumstances there? Um, uh, the reason why they moved from Cape Town was because Uncle Barry had moved. He had started, um, he'd first trained to become a horse racing trainer and he'd got his, his um, certificate, um, qualified, and um, they'd moved from Cape Town to Port Elizabeth so that he could get into the racing world in Port Elizabeth. Uh, when you're starting out, it's a little bit easier to get into the racing world and... Um, there was more opportunities for him then. And financially, was it much better? What was the situation then? Um, I think in the beginning for a little while it was. But unfortunately, once again, when you're dealing with animals, it's very, very difficult. And their financial situation slowly but surely started to deteriorate again. And, and the mother, Auntie June, as you referred to her? Um, Auntie June also worked very hard. Um, at first, Joy did something on the sideline, you know, to earn extra money. Would be, um, she ran a little parlor for dogs at one stage when they went Cape Town. Still, then, when she moved up to PE, she would do something on the side. And 
Um, but she always helped Uncle Barry. So she found a little um, empty building and she started selling stuff to the, um, not just to the jockeys, but to the, uh, the staff and the laborers that were working with the horses. Um, like a little spaza shop. She opened one of those for the stable boys um, to earn extra money on the sideline. That was her little business. And um, apart from that business, as far as Auntie Jean is concerned, did she, you told me something about a laundry? Um, she did that and earned some money and did very well, long, long hours. And then I think an opportunity, I'm not quite sure how it came about, was to open up a laundry. It was close by to where they were staying in Seabreeze in Port Elizabeth. And she opened the laundry. Um, but it was very long hours, lots and lots of hard work and it was basically just herself and I think she, she had one other, she had one employee and she would work from morning, early, 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 washing, hanging up, drying. Um, she did make money, she did very well because she worked so hard, but it was very, very hard work. And the deceased in this matter went to school in Port Elizabeth? That's correct. She went to an all-girls convent school. And did you do well at school? She did very well. Reva was a very, very hard worker. Um, very meticulous. Um, everything had to always be so and neat, tidy. She took her schoolwork very seriously. Her mom used to joke that in the mornings Reva would get herself dressed and go and wait by the car and tap her feet waiting for her mom to take her to school. Um, she was a very hard worker. She got that from her parents. She definitely got that from them. And she studied later. And then after school she went on to study at um, um, NMMU. Um, and she studied law. How did she manage to get enough funds to go study? Um, through her good marks at school, she got a bursary. She studied with a bursary. She studied with a bursary. And um, do you know if she finalised her studies, if she obtained a degree? Yes, she did. She got a degree. She got an LLB. Let us deal with the deceased and relationships with men. Um, do you know of any? Um, after school because before that Auntie June was very strict and Riva wasn't allowed boyfriends. And after school during her studies, she started in a relationship with um, one of Uncle Barry's jockeys. She got into a relationship um, with a gentleman called Wayne and it was a very, very emotionally abusive relationship. It wasn't physically abusive, it was emotionally abusive. And how did that work out? Uh, I didn't know about it at the time because um, I was living in Cape Town and I'd had children and husband and I kind of said we, we lost contact for a while. So at the time I didn't know how much it affected her. I heard via family members that Reva was having trouble. Um, but it was only once we reconnected later on in life we got, when, when Reva was an adult and she was living in Joburg, she confided in me in what that relationship what it was about and what it had done to her and how it affected her and, and to what extent it was, how abusive it actually was. Now, during she was still at school when she had an accident, or during her studies? Yes, during her studies. Stud she had um, a horse riding accident where she actually broke her back and um, they put her in traction. I, I can't remember exactly how long. It was a couple of weeks, six weeks, months. I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't remember. But it was very severe. They put in traction and um, they turned her daily. She had to lie flat, completely immobilized, tied to the bed, and they turned her around so she could face, the face like that. It was 
was a very, very intense um, procedure of recovery. And that made her think and take stock of her life. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things Reba said to me that um, she was studying law because she wanted to work hard and her dad had told her she must work hard in her life and get a law degree um, and her whole life she'd worked hard but that her life can end in a split second and I think it was the, the time that she had to think all those, month, those weeks and months um, she said she made a conscious decision that she was going to get her degree, finish, but she was going to pursue the modeling career that she had. Um, and there was a big consideration because it was finances that she could make more money there, the opportunity to make more money there. Um, and that life can be over so quickly. You know, you work so hard for something, but it might not be that path. So it was a big, it was a big life-changing experience for her. Making money for what? Um, to put her in a position to be able to look after her parents. She wanted to be able to do that. Reva's very, very first paycheck she ever received through modeling when she was still a young teenager, she gave to her parents to pay for her schooling for the year. Um, she, Reva was just like that. She, she wanted to look after her parents. To pursue this career as a model, she moved to Johannesburg. Am I right? That's correct. Just yes. explain to the court what happened there. Um, it, was, it was, I think, one of two reasons. Um, one reason was so that there were, there were a couple of opportunities lined up for her career, and then one was to be able to break away from the abusive relationship, to get out of that situation. Um, I remember she joked with me and said to me, she's not even telling her dad where she stays because she just needs to break away completely. So she did tell him, but it was she needed to get away from PE. And the opportunities all fell in place at the same time. And carry okay. on. And she, she got opportunities since she started working where and, and what did she do? Um, the first job that I know of that she got, permanent position that she got in, in Johannesburg was working at Fashion TV. Um, it was like a position would have been hostess, public relations. Um, I know she really enjoyed it. She loved it. She loved to be um, mixing with people, hosting. She was very good in front of the camera. I know she was very happy in that position. Now, during that time, what kind of person was she? Was she a depressed person, happy person? Um, I'd say she was very happy then. You know, she was doing something completely different from what she'd done her whole life, work hard. She was now having a little bit of fun and earning money. Um, you know, working hard at school, studying, and now she was still working hard, but having a bit of fun and earning money. She was earning a good salary. There was this, she had a ritual uh, during December and over Christmas. What was that? Um, every year, December, from the time she left PE, except for one last one before she died, but every single year she went home to PE to her parents. She spent a month in Port Elizabeth with her parents. That was her ritual. She never, ever missed. In 2012, she told me she'd never missed one year. She always went home to her parents in December. Was family important to her? Family was very, very important to Reva family was everything. Um, I would say compared to the normal person on the street, for Reva, family was unbelievably important. She would instigate family uh, gatherings. She would make excuses to get everybody together. Um, I remember when she came to stay with us for a little while, um, she would inquire, she'd ask me the whole time, she was very curious, why don't, why don't I go down to my mom for tea every afternoon? And I'd say, but I don't. Just, you live 
you live here, you, you know. Um, she loved family gatherings. She loved brides and getting together and cooking in the kitchen and she was very, very family orientated. One thing I need to just say is as much as they battled financially, the amount of love that Riva never, ever wanted for love. There was, that's where her love for family came from. And for as little money as they had, they had double that in love, made up for it in love. And Reva was a very loved person, and she loved, she loved spending time with family. Now, dealing with that, so financially back at home, it was, they were still struggling. Yes. And did Reva contribute to her parents at all financially? Yes, um, I know she helped them out from time to time. Um, I, I know that, um, I think it was about 2011, 2012, when she was staying with me, I know personally of her um, paying for the medical aid. I think the, the medical aid had lapsed and Reva knew that it was important that the family needed medical aid and she reinst- had it reinstated <coughs> and carried on paying it. That brings us to... Cape Town, when she moved down to Cape Town. What was the circumstances there? Um, Reva moved down to Cape Town. She came to live with us for about six months. It was an on and off over a period of about six months. Um, How she landed up there was that her boyfriend at the time, Warren, um, was opening a branch of his business in Cape Town, which just happened to be very close to where we live. And um, the guest house where they were staying, the facilities weren't very nice and... She asked if she could come and use the, the shower. But we had arranged that um, she'd take that opportunity to, get to, to meet up and get together and we can go for dinner or whatever. And when she was there, she, we were talking and she mentioned that um, there might be opportunity um, for a shoot um, in her, with her agency um, in Cape Town. And um, I remember we basically begged her, myself and the kids, please come and stay down here. Please, you can stay with us. Um, because my children had bonded with her incredibly. My daughters absolutely adored her and just fell in love with her. And um, one night became one week, and she sat with us for the whole week. And then she went back up to Joburg, spoke to Warren, found out everything was going to be okay, organized with him, organized with her modeling agency, and put her car on a train and then came down to Cape Town and stayed with us. The first time was about four weeks and then she would go home for a week and then she'd come back again for four weeks um, her idea was she wasn't happy in, in, in Johannesburg um, she said it was very difficult in the modeling industry a lot of um, falseness uh, cutthroat business and she felt she needed to be with family and at that time she realized that her relationship with Warren was going to come to an end and she was looking towards her future um, and she said to me, you know, she, she knows if she's in Cape Town, if she can make it in Cape Town with her career, then she's at least got family. She's got us with her. I think we should perhaps just inform the court about the relationship with, uh, with Warren. Um, After Wayne, she went to Joburg, and there she entered into a relationship with a man called Warren. Yes, yeah. Um, I think about after, after a year or so of being in Joburg, when she moved up, she met um, a gentleman called Warren Lahood. He was a very nice guy. He treated Reva very well. Um, he was one of those real down-to-earth, salt-of-the-earth gentlemen, soft, kind, loving. And Reva loved him as well. Um, my husband and I, would, we said, you know, we, 
Reva couldn't have found a nicer guy, really. They had a, a very good relationship. Um, I think the only reason the relationship came to an end was um, Reba was moving into a new stage of her life. She was thinking about having children, and Warren was, I think he was about two years younger than her. He wasn't ready for that. His career was taking off, and um, he was a workaholic. He worked very, very hard, and he said he's not ready to have children. And Reva knew that, that they loved each other, but they had become very good friends. And she, being, she was very honest with herself. You know, she, she listened to herself. And when she realized that this relationship wasn't going to take her into the future with kids, that she couldn't see herself having um, children with Warren one day, she realized that she was going to have to end it. And that was her thinking in coming down to Cape Town. Hopefully her career could take off in Cape Town. Um, and then she could be surrounded with family because that ultimately is what she wanted. She said to me that it tore her apart that she couldn't be with her parents in PE. But she knew that um, the career wouldn't allow her the no work in PE. Um, she said she wished she could take her parents and move them to Cape Town or move them to Joburg, but she knew that wasn't possible. But she was consumed with the fact that she was not spending time with her family and that she wasn't with her family. Now, so she bonded with your children, she stayed with you. Was she worried about her parents at the time? Yeah, she was very worried about her parents. And at the time, specifically at the time that she was staying with us, um, Uncle Barry was going through quite a hard time with work. Um, things hadn't worked out for him as he'd planned. Um, it was a very tough time in that industry. And it was just he came across one hurdle after the other. And business-wise, he was in a very, very bad position, a difficult position. And she was very concerned about him. And then his health started taking a toll as well. Um, uh, he, he had sugar diabetes and I know at that time that was why I knew about the medical aid that he had taken a turn for the worse um, so she was extremely worried and concerned she was consumed with earning money, looking after them about her dad's health, about not living with, with family it was, a, it was a difficult time, she was very worried and the breakup with Warren was that a traumatic time for her? it was very traumatic um, I remember her telling me, Kimmy, it's worse than a divorce, or it's equal to a divorce. And um, I know it affected her, I know, because I know how much she actually really loved Warren, but she knew that the relationship wasn't going to go any further. It was very, very traumatic. So Reva is, like I said, because she's so family-orientated, she was now losing another little part of family that she did have in Johannesburg. And there's something about her cats. Yes, Reva loves animals, absolutely mad about animals. And um, she had fed these stray cats that eventually became permanent residents in her house and were her children, her baby. She loved them. And when she was in the process of packing up and moving, the one cat ran away. And I remember she was devastated. She was heartbroken. And um, she f that, f that, yeah, that happened first. And then um, her other cat, luckily, was still there. And then when moving, she eventually moved in with the Myers and um, the cat couldn't stay there for very long, and she phoned me crying over the phone. I, was, I remember I was busy camping, and um, she said, I, I don't know what I'll do, I feel so guilty. Um, I can't put him down, but I've got nowhere to, to take him. My mom can't have any more animals, they've got too many. So I kind of joked and said, you can, I'll take him. And she said, oh, thank you very much, and I couldn't say no. And within six hours, she'd flown him down to me. That's how important her cats were to her. But the cats, something happened to the cat then? Yes. Um, 
because she was in such a hurry to get the cat down to us. I was still camping at the time, and um, the company that handles transporting of animals brought the cat to the house. I unfortunately wasn't back from camping yet, and my two young daughters had to receive the cat, and then hadn't locked it away properly in the bedroom, and it got out. And I remember I was devastated. We, we, my husband and I shortened our camping trip. We packed up immediately. The girls were beside themselves crying. How are we going to tell Reba the cat's gone? It's flown all the way. It's gone through all this traumatic experience, flying all the way down to Cape Town. And now it arrives here and it runs away. And we searched everywhere for it. And I just remember for two days, Reba kept on saying, how's Milky? How's he doing? Send me pics. And I, I avoided her. And I was beside myself. I just, I was so scared. I didn't know how I was going to tell her because I know for her that is like losing a child. And I felt so responsible because she'd entrusted me with the responsibility. And um, eventually when I did tell her, I knew I just had to be brave and just eventually own up. And I just said to her, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to tell you this. That's why I've been avoiding you for two days. Um, He ran away. And she said, don't worry, Kimmy, it's fine. Um, I think I'm being punished for being selfish. Um, broke up with Warren, I, my one cat ran away, I'm, my life is just not in control and I think I'm being punished for that. And that's how seriously that she took this, you know. And I remember telling her, don't worry Reva, it's got nothing to do with that. Um, everybody knows how much you love your animals and you deserve to be happy, you know, you need to, make, you need to do what makes you happy in life. Luckily we found the cat, it came back about a month and a half later. So I could go back to her and tell her that it had come back. Now, at the time, Barry's horse business, he lost everything, am I right? Basically, that closed down completely. And he got involved in some other business venture? He started doing um, a a wood chipping business, which would supply wood shavings to the horse racing industry um, for the horse's bedding. He started doing that. Um, it's very, it's very, very hard work, very physically hard work again. Um, and the return is not very great. It's, you're supplying wood chips. So it was very, very difficult. And I think at one stage when Reva was staying with us, the machine had actually broken down and he had, at that stage, then no form of income. And June, what did she do during that time? Um, June was um, working... She was running a little canteen um, at the race course. Um, on race day, she would make toasted sandwiches at a little kitchen, like a little tiny mini restaurant that she ran. Um, but it was only on race days. She would go in early in the morning, make little food, serve it, uh, much like the restaurant upstairs, like that, for the um, jockeys at the race, at the race, and say it was at the at the at the race course. But as I said, that was also only on race days, which is like twice a week, three times a week. Before we, we carry on with other business ventures, um, although they went through financial hard times, they were always generous people. You told me very generous. I think that is the one of the, one of the main reasons why they always landed up in financial situations. Um, their home was always open to everybody. You can ask anybody from a young age, I remember. Anybody who was going through a hard time, needed a place to stay, landed up at Uncle Barry's house and onto June's house. Um, friends of the family whose son was wayward landed up there, staying there. He needed a place to stay. He ended up staying. Uncle Barry employed him. Um, he, he gave him a job. He made a job for him. 
jockeys were continuously living there. They, they never had an empty household. Their house was always full of people, always feeding them, looking after them. All the stray animals, Auntie June's forever picking up all the animals, looking, she can't say no. Um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why they, they've landed up in the financial situations that they have. And uh, that was why Reva was the kind of person she was, why she was so caring and so giving and had such much empathy, because she got that from her parents. Then um, June got involved in the barking spider. Just tell us about that. Um, that was a, a, a business opportunity that came about um, just before Reva passed away. Um, it's a small little restaurant, like a, at a. It's in an industrial area in Port Elizabeth, close to the the racecourse. It's very small, very humble, pretty run down. Um, but there was opportunity to make lunchtime a lunchtime trade for the for the industrial area. Um, and they were very excited about it, you know, an opportunity to, to make to make a, a good enough living. And Auntie June went into it with two partners, two friends of hers at the time. And I remember they were very excited about this. And it was just the three of them. They would do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the serving, working behind the bar. Three ladies. Three ladies. Auntie June and, and two and of her three. friends at the time. Still running. It is still running. Now, whilst we're dealing with the financial difficulties, now during that time, what mode of transport did they use? Cars, new cars, or what cars did they use? No, I don't think they've ever owned a new car in their life. They um, drive around in very, uh, um, very broken-down cars. The Dunes car, I think you had to all climb in the front door and he had two doors and the one door didn't work so you all had to get in the one side something like that so Uncle Barry's always driven in Bucky's um, uh, yeah they've, their cars are not they're not in good condition so the barking spider was just before the incident and then then it happened it was the 14th of February 2013 how did you learn about this? I was, um, my husband and myself were driving to work. We were caught in, it was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and we were caught in um, rush hour traffic. I was quite tired. I'd put my seat back and I was lying back. And I had my feet on the dash. And the radio DJ came on and um, he said, breaking news, not confirmed. Um, and he kept on saying that. He said it about four or five times. And I remember thinking, this must be big, and would he just hurry up and get on with it? And I still said to my husband, oh, just spit it out. And then he said, Oscar Asturias. And I remember the minute he said his name, I jumped up in the front seat. And I froze, and the next words were, allegedly shot his girlfriend. And I remember saying to my husband, I hope to God he is cheating on Reva. We'll take an agenda. Can we? Thank you. You're listening to Oscar Extra. More updates, more often. Thank you, Melody. Yes, you think you 
You're ready to proceed, Mrs. Matt. Fine. Yes, thank you. Yes. Ready. You feel more comfortable standing? Can I sit, please? Yes, yes. Please sit. Can we just reorganize the microphones before we carry on? You're still under oath? Yes, my yes. So, you heard the news. You said to your husband, <laughs> you hoped that he had an affair and it's not true. But what happened there? And I just remember my husband turning the car around in the traffic. But did you, did somebody, did you know it was or you didn't know it? No, I had no idea. No, I was just praying that, that it wasn't Reva. And um, they hadn't confirmed the name. They had said his girlfriend. And I remember immediately turning around and he said, let's go to your mom. And um, I got on my phone and I was trying to phone her. And I was phoning and phoning and phoning. She wasn't answering. And... And I started screaming, and my husband said, just calm down, calm down, we don't know anything yet. And um, I just wanted to get to my mother so I could know if everything was fine. I just wanted to hear that everything was fine. And we arrived at my mother's house, and I could see the minute we arrived, the doors opened, my mother was hysterical. And then I knew, that's it, it's true. And I still remember hoping, and I went inside, and I said to her, um, please just tell me, are you sure it's Reva? And she said, yes, I'm sorry it is. <laughs> Because I spoke to Auntie June this morning. I spoke to, spoke to Auntie June now. And um, that, was, that was, for me, the end of the world. Everything was just a blur from then onwards. Um, family were just running around. My, my husband raced to fetch my daughter in boarding school so she wouldn't hear it from somebody else. My son came home from work. My sister came home, and everybody was just like running around crazy and shouting and screaming. And uh, my husband uh, took control, and he booked tickets immediately. My mom and dad and my sister got on the first flight. And um, we decided to stay one day. I can't remember now why. There was a reason. And um, it was just the worst experience I've ever, ever, ever I remember my parents left and I felt like I wanted to be there with them. And they went down to Uncle Bern on to June. And um, I was thinking in my mind the whole time, I just, I'm dreading, I don't know how to, I don't know how to face them. I don't know how to face Auntie June and Uncle Barry. I don't, I was thinking, how can I face them? And they've been through this, you know, that this has happened to Reva. How can I even look at them? And um, when we arrived in PE, the, it was just a madhouse. It was just people in and out, wishing and coming in with flowers. And it was like crazy. And Uncle Barry and Auntie June, were just, they were like in a dwell. Uh, it was a horrible time. Everyone was fighting. My mum and my dad were arguing with each other. <laughs> and we, we were all like, why? Why? <laughs> why Reva? I don't even I can't even remember the next couple of days I just remember we had to arrange funeral and everyone was thinking who can how can you do that you know no one no one wanted to take responsibility for that we had to that was horrible Madam can I just ask you to focus on June and Barry when you got there how did they react what were they doing my aunt was she was hysterical she was 
she had been looked after by someone and they were, they were helping her to cope with it. They had medicated her. She was very medicated. And um, she just walked around like, like shrugging her shoulders the whole time. My uncle sat in the corner, was crying, crying, crying. So before we carry on, this whole incident, so what impact did it have on, on the family? And we can see what impact it still has on you, but on the family, on... Barry and June. It's terrible. It's um, I'd say it's ruined our whole family. It's ruined Uncle Barry and Auntie June. Reva was everything to them. You know, she was the only child in PE for a long time, and they they absolutely adored her. They were so proud of her, what she had accomplished, and they, she looked after them so well. You know, not just financially. Reva was, that's why I couldn't, I was so worried about facing them because I didn't know how they were going to cope. I didn't think they'd be able to cope with knowing that Reva wasn't there. Unfortunately, we have to go through detail and let us just inform the court. In Cape Town, there were three children. It was Adam, Reva and Simone. When they moved to PE, what happened there? Who, Who was in the household? Um, Simone was, had, been, had got married by that time, had her own children, so she wasn't living there with them. And Adam, Adam Reva's older um, brother, had moved to England with his mom. So it was only Reva in Port Elizabeth with her parents. This incident, did it affect the health of um, Barry and June? Yes, I'd say so. Uncle Barry's health has, has suffered quite a bit. Um, he wasn't very well to begin with, and, and this is he's had a couple of strokes because of it, taking its toll. I mean, physically, it's very, very draining. This whole process of coming here, flying up, we're very worried about physically, about him being able to cope with it. Not only due and the signs of stress and trauma are... are are obvious you know they always try to be strong they've always, through this whole thing they've tried to remain strong and, and hold, have dignity um, and I think they are very strong people because to cope with what they have coped with Do you discuss the fact that you're giving evidence to them today with them yes I did what did they say what was their attitude um, I spoke to my uncle and my aunt last night. Um, I just wanted to make sure that they were okay. They were going to be okay with me talking about them. And I was worried that I'd disappoint them. And they said to me, no. I have their blessing. And then I must be Reva's voice. And my uncle said he's very proud of me. And, and no matter what I do, I'll never make a mistake. And he said... He would love to be able to sit up here, stand here. He'd love to take the stand, but he can't. He said he would just lose it. Now, and the impact on your family, yourself, physically, and your health-wise? Well, I've had to... I've been for trauma counselling. Um, I'm currently seeing a psychologist. I'm on medication for depression and anxiety. My children are, are in therapy. My daughter 
has even been she was even she was even in an institution for youth for coping mechanisms to be able to cope she was in there for two weeks um, her and Reva were very close and um, she couldn't cope with this my son's received counselling and my youngest daughter as well now it was never easy for you to be here today apart from the emotional stress you also had other family commitments that you had to deal with what was that my eldest daughter's in matric and um, she's busy doing her final drama exam today which I'm gonna miss um, I'm not there for her this is a final matric drama exam you wanted to be here you're shaking your head you decided to be here I knew I had to be here why um, I had to do this I had to do this for Reva I owe it to her and my daughter said she understands because um, I I um, I know Reba needs a voice and um, it's my way of being able to pay her back you know for what she went through she got involved in women's rights issues do you know about that? Um, I know about, I know how she personally felt about it because of her situation and her past. I knew how strongly she felt about women abuse and strengthening women's characters. She, she wanted to also work with empowering women. So once they're abused, work with that, but also to empower women. So she, she wanted it so that they could be avoided of being in abuse um, I know of the project that she did she was getting involved in um, she was going to speak at the girls school um, that was supposed to be on the 14th of February that was one of the things that I knew um, and that was because her thing was that she wanted to stop girls from allowing themselves to be in those situations um, and I know there were a few other things lined up but I don't know of, of them offhand. Let us just spend some time on, on a career, what, what you achieved um, that you can think of now. Um, one of her first achievements that I know of was the face of Avon in Port Elizabeth. She um, um, won that contract, just chosen as the face of Avon to represent Avon. Um, and she was in various um, catalogues, wedding catalogues and things like that in Port Elizabeth um, and then when she moved to Johannesburg she also numerous um, uh, photographic work, catalogue work um, she got into the FHM um, was chosen as an FHM model um, and I know that Rebel's very happy about that she worked really hard Lots of dedication, self-discipline to get into that. She was very proud of herself. And she got into the cover of F FHM? She did, yes. I think she was on the November cover, December cover of FHM.
Okay. Or, f or February, I'm not quite sure. And um, just before death, there was also a TV program. Do you know about that? Yes, my lady, that was um, the um, uh, TV show Tropica. Um, few people auditioned for it and Reva got it and she was it was the the show where they had the elimination um, I'm not quite sure of the full name um, but it was televised um, and she was very happy about that she was extremely excited about that that job have you met the accused I have met him once yes my lady where I met him in Cape Town um, him and Reva met with myself and my daughter and her friend for breakfast one morning when they were down here. Um, Reva, it was the 2nd of January, and um, Reva had contacted me and said, Would I like to go for coffee the next morning? I thought she was joking because I knew she wasn't in Cape Town. And um, uh, I said, Yes, I'd love to. And she said, yes, because Oz is um, um, going to fly me down, take me on holiday for two days, and um, I'd like to meet up with you and go for some coffee. Now, just before we go on, we're talking about January 2013. That's correct. Now, that Christmas, where was she? That was the first Christmas that Reva never went back to PE. Um, she couldn't make it for work purposes. And I remember she was very, very torn up about that. So she made, to make up for it, she went, flew down to PE just before that and took her parents away on a, um, I think it was a week, a couple of days, um, stay on a game farm. But it was the first Christmas in all of the years that she hadn't been living at home that she had not spent Christmas with her um, parents. She also did not spend Christmas with the accused and neither the 1st of January. Or don't uh, you know? No, she didn't. She didn't spend... I know she didn't spend New Year's Eve with the accused, no. What did she do on New Year's Eve, do you know? Um, I, I, I don't think she did anything. I think she stayed at home, I don't know if I remember correctly. Um, she didn't really want to go out, so she ended up staying at home. I think one thing we did not deal with is when she broke up a relationship with Warren, she had to move out of the apartment that they shared in Joburg. What happened then with her? You're getting very soft. Oh, sorry, my lady. Yes. When she broke up the relationship with Warren Lahoud, yes. she had to move out of the apartment that they shared <coughs> and she moved in with somebody else. That's correct, my lady. Um, she couldn't find a place to stay. Um, a suitable place to stay that would take the cats and she was very worried about it and crying to her friend Gina Myers and um, Gina's mom said to her she could see how distraught she was and she said don't worry about it Reva you can come stay with us move in with us for a while until you can find yourself your own place and that's why she was living with the Myers when she broke up with Warren she happy staying there with the Myers? Yes, she was very happy staying there. Um, she loved being with family, so for her, 
she had family around her. Um, they used to have dinners together as a family, sit around the table, which is something apparently the Mayas didn't do very often until Riva got there. She, she would sit up at night time chatting to them in the bed for all hours drinking tea. She really, she was, she was very happy there. I know towards the end she wanted to find her own place because she knew she needed to, you know, she'd been there for a couple of months already, um, but she was very happy there. Sorry, I interrupted you when we said, Reba phoned you, said, would you want to meet her for coffee? Oz is flying her down for a, a two-day holiday. What happened then? Um, so then she said, Reba phoned me and she said, um, can we please go? We can ha- we, I, I've got enough time to have breakfast. We're going to be driving through to Hermanus, but we'll have enough time um, to stop for breakfast. Can um, we please meet her for breakfast down the beach where our grandfather's ashes were scattered? She specifically wanted to go there so she could um, go to that restaurant so that she could go to where our grandfather's ashes were scattered, which is on a small little beach in Bloberg. Um, and we ended up, um, they, um, she came to the house with Oscar, um, and we, were, we met there, she introduced us to Oscar, and from there we drove down in separate cars to the restaurant. Um, I remember thinking when I first met him, I was obviously quite nervous and excited to meet this famous person um, and I was so excited that I was going to get to see Reva and um, I remember she opened the, we opened the gate and she ran in and we hugged and kissed and um, um, and she introduced him to him and she said Kimmy this is us us this is Kimmy and, and we went inside and I immediately the girls were also excited and myself and Reva went with me through to the bedroom and she was commenting on my hair I'd cut it and so excited and I still remember thinking um, he's just standing there you know um, he came across quite shy um, and I, I remember even still saying to Reva can't leave him there we must, we must um, go back and um, then we spent about two minutes, basically, and drove from there in our own cars down to the restaurant. And it was the 2nd of January, so it was crazy down at Lerberg Beach. Thousands and thousands of people, tourists. The, um, the beaches were packed, the restaurants were packed. Um, and eventually got a table, sat down, and... Cape Town service is terrible. And I remember everything just went wrong with our order. It didn't arrive on time, sent the wrong thing. And uh, I remember thinking um, that Oscar was getting a little bit agitated. Not overboard, but I could see there was like agitation, you know. And I thought, so he's obviously just not used to Cape Town service. Um, Reva and I were chatting. We were all chatting. He was chatting to the girls. He even gave my daughter advice about boarding school, what it's like to go to boarding school. I remember then thinking he was a very nice person. Um, there wasn't 
I didn't notice much um, affection, though, between the two of them. I remember there was a little bit of affection, but Reva mainly sat with her arms like this. Um, and his phone rang, and he got up and left the table to go and take to answer the call. And when he walked away, I said to Reva, So, cuz, are you happy? And she had a smile on her face, and she went... And she pulled her, pulled her shoulders up like this, and she said, Yes, but we need to talk. And I remember thinking, okay. Um, but then Oscar returned to the table, and we carried on talking. Um, and I never got a chance to... I never thought to ask her. I thought about it, but I, never, I just never got a chance to say to her, what do you mean by that? And I must admit that that has bothered me forever since then that I never said to her what do you mean by what do we have to talk we have to talk but I think I see it's 22 22 3 there's an aspect that I need to consult with that I haven't that's important is it the last aspect say again is it the last aspect it's the last aspect but I would want my request would be that we stand down it's one aspect it won't take long that we pursue this matter resume with this matter tomorrow, I deal with the one aspect and we deal with cross-examination then. I would have, in any case, have asked the court that seeing that this witness is so emotional that I would not have wanted her to be cross-examined today. So I'm going to ask that we stand down until tomorrow morning at 9.30. You still think we'll make it this week? Lady, I hope so. Yes, Mr. Lee? Lady, of course, I can't stop it, but if it's not taking long... I can tell the court, I'm not going to cross-examine, I'm going to ask two short questions, mm-hmm. and it's not cross-examination. So maybe if Mr. Nell could spend time with 20 minutes, and this witness would not have to come back to the stand tomorrow. I would prefer to deal with this in my own time. It will need time. Uh, I repeat my request, my lady. Okay. Even if we finish this witness tomorrow in, in, in two minutes, that's fine. But I would need time this afternoon to consult with this witness about an aspect. I would not ask the court for time if I did not need it. I will grant the indulgence, but let counsel just be reminded that I am available for only this week. I've got other duties next week and the week thereafter and the week thereafter and the week thereafter. I'm sure we'll we'll be finished with with evidence by tomorrow afternoon. Okay. We'll commence tomorrow at 1 at 9.30. Indeed. Live, live in Pretoria, the Oscar Pistorius trial. Oscar Extra Extra.